You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Yes, good morning, good morning, good morning, uh, Shadows Pub. I've just minted yesterday's NFT today. The code is manifest. And you have about 15 minutes to uh, go ahead and, and mint it. I'm kind of enjoying this delayed reaction um, and we'll see what happens. We'll see uh, how long it takes for us to mint out all 15. I'm only doing 15 to start. Start small and then grow. Hey, Praxim, good morning, good morning. Remember, the code is manifest, and that is live right now until about 8.15. I'll stick it in the cafe chat so that people know, uh, and I'll say POAP, or not payop. that sounds uh, like it's from Greece, Um Pope is live right now through 8.15 a.m. And manifest is the code. I guess we need a code for tomorrow. Uh, why, don't, why don't you guys tell me what you think it should be? Uh, Praxim Shadows Pub, why don't you tell me what you'd like the code to be? Um, and uh, you, know, you know what? Actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to usurp. Uh, the code's Praxim. Praxim is the code for tomorrow. Uh, today's, and if today's Pope will be available tomorrow from 7.45 through 8.15 a.m., and the code is Praxim. And uh, it's, uh, there'll be one more, which will be Thursday morning. Um, I will not get it because I won't be flying unless I'm on Wi-Fi, which would be kind of cool. Um, and then we'll take a, a little bit of a break from me, uh, at least officially uh, recorded. The podcast will take a little bit of a break because of the recording aspect. Uh, but I will be back officially on the 21st, and certainly I will be available and popping in from time to time from either South Africa or the United Kingdom. So I hope you are well today. Um, we've been having some amazing conversations and uh, I wanted to chat to you um, about people. And, uh, you know, my stake in the ground is quite simple. It's all about people. It always was and it always will be. It is not about technology. It is not about process. It's not about service. It's not about anything other than people. And it is 
people that ultimately are the difference between success and failure. It is people that get in their own way. Every time that I've had any company in my life, I've said the same thing. And no, I've not always been able to live it. I've I've said the only way we lose is if we get in our own way. This is ours to lose. How many times have you said that in your lives? How many times have you been in a startup or in a a business unit or whatever the case may be? And, And you are buoyed by the reality that it's yours to lose. Isn't that great? Isn't that great to be in that position in life where you know that you're ahead and the only way you lose is because of you. This is, this is the equivalent of, of, um, of sport, right? English football. To know that, you know, what do they say here in, in the US? Win and in. In other words, it's in your hands. If you win... If you don't drop points, if you don't lose, obviously losing is not, you know, <laughs> there are two parties involved. You don't just like go into a, a, a bout or a match or a game and just assume that you're going to win. That's, that's silly. That's arrogant. That's not humility. That's hubris. But if you go in and you know that you've done enough where, where it is as long as you win, You've won to get yourself in that position. It's not that it's coming from nowhere. You're in that position because you've been consistent throughout the season. In a 38-game season, it's 34 games in, four games to go. You're two points ahead. You know that if all things are equal, if all, all things being equal, if you just keep up the same consistency, the same momentum, you're going you're gonna to prevail. And there's nothing that your opponent can do. Nothing. Winning for them is not enough. They have to hope that you slip up. They have to hope that you take your foot off the gas, that you fall asleep at the wheel, that you lose that focus, make a mistake. Now, some people might feel that that's too much pressure. But, I mean... What's the alternative? Is the alternative better? Hell no. The alternative is to be in second position and hope that they slip up? No way. I mean, there's one other little scenario, but it's a very, you know, uh, it's more of an addendum, which is if you are the second place team playing the first place team, well, that's different. If it's the last game of the season, you're the second place team taking on the first game team and you know that you have to win, win and in. That's the other version of win and in, right? Win and in. You beat the champions, you prevail. You beat the team ahead of you and you prevail. But for the most part, if you are ahead, then stay ahead. How do you stay ahead? That's a whole conversation in of itself. But ultimately, the conversation today is about people, is about getting in your own way, is about allowing all the distractions in your life to take you off course, to pull you down, to lose focus. Let's call it an unforced error. There are two types of errors, forced and unforced. A forced error is because of your opponent. Or maybe a macro issue, an external issue, the economy. Forced, forced errors are not always competitively driven. Forced errors can come from the environment, from factors that are out of your control. But an unforced error, well, that's on you. An unforced error is allowing your pride to take over your insecurity, your inadequacy to get the better of you. An unforced error is laziness. An unforced error is the ability to doubt yourself, perhaps. It is that lack of focus. You know, if you watch again a football match, 
and you watch an underdog, a minnow, being pummeled by the favorite. And they are defending, you know, like their life depends on it. Eleven men behind the ball, shot after shot, block after block. Just intense pressure. But all it takes is one mistake. And all of that hard work, all of that prep, all of that focus is gone. That's all it takes sometimes. Just the smallest little careless error, a little bit of negligence, a little bit of lack of focus, and everything is gone. And in this particular case, all the prep, all the preparation, coming in, having a game plan. It's the same in boxing. Keep your guard up. Keep your, <laughs> keep your hands up. And all it takes is one little mistake. You let your guard down for even a second and you are on the canvas. You're on the floor and you're being counted out. And maybe it's a noise and maybe it's a, a whistle and maybe it's a heckle. So our lives, full of this idea of letting down our God. Maybe it's a tweet. Maybe it's just giving in to the name-calling or the, or the heckling, the public town square heckling. The real champions are the ones that are focused all the time, that drown out, that weed out, that, that tune out all the noise, all the clutter, all the distraction, all the haters, whatever you want to call it and their ability to be consistently focused. Now, in a corporate environment, it's, to me, I I remember reading a book a long time ago called The Five Dysfunctions of Team, or The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, I think it was called. Long time ago, my goodness. The Five Dysfunctions, I'm going to just type it up quickly. Dysfunctions of a Team. When was this book published? I remember I should try and get the uh I should try and get the author on it. I mean, it's a long time ago. When do you think that book was published? It was published in 2002. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, a Leadership Fable, 20th anniversary. Wow, 20 20 20 years. I've almost I'm almost coming up on my 20 year anniversary. I got to remember what the five dysfunctions are. Let's see if I can find that quickly, or maybe someone will help me find it. But the dysfunctions of a team, the dysfunctions of an organization. Uh, Bez says, yep, have that book. Lack of trust is one of them. I mean, so many questions, right? Are teams just naturally dysfunctional? Are are people naturally political? I, I think maybe yes. Do we assume that the default is a functional team? Do we assume that the default is no politics in a relationship? No. I think you have to assume that they're there and fight to be able to address them or, or, or handle them or keep them at bay. Now, by the way, let me, let me set a little bit of context. Why am, I, <clears throat> why am I even having this conversation about people, about dysfunctions of team, about everything? You know, you, Yesterday, I, um, I went to rally.io. I just put that in the back chat. And the website is gone. Uh, rally, it's gone. And Twitter is gone. And I think it was only an email that came out. Hell, feels like yesterday maybe? No, couldn't have been. Um, I'm looking now. Uh, it was Tuesday, one thirty-one. So about a week ago, yeah, a week ago, saying, hey, listen, didn't work out. Tried our best. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And one week later, it's as if they never existed. I tell you, there's something so final about it. It's, 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 it, oh, it, it feels awful. It feels awful to go to the website that you had your creator coin on for so long and just see that the, that the website is offline. I don't know. It's, to me, 
to me, it would be better to go to the website and just have a, you know, gone fishing sign or a closed down, you know, <laughs> under new owner, under new management. But like, if you go out of business, I just find it like so disgusting. It, it's almost like it's adding insult to injury just to like pull the whole thing as opposed to why not take that email and put it on the website? Not clickable, but just leave it there, you know, for a period of time. I don't know, a day, a week, a month, more, probably a year. And just to pull the plug like that, it's, uh, it doesn't leave me feeling good. But what has prompted me out of all of this is and for those of you, by the way, you have about one minute left. If you still want to get the power up for yesterday, I just realized the code is manifest. And um, tomorrow's code is Praxim, by the way. So tomorrow's power up will be available 7.45 to 8.15. And the code is Praxim. So let's see if you can do that in about 60 seconds. But the gift from the rally.io rug is this conversation is the ability to talk about the fact that the reality is it's all about people. It always was. It's not about bells and whistles and technology and tools and processes and brand logos. And, and it's about people. A brand is nothing. A brand is not real. A brand is a symbol and letters and jingles and, you know, and style guides. A brand is just a symbol representing a company. And a company is a shell representing the people that are inside it. The employees, the partners, the fans, the influencers, the customers. That is the power. That's what it's about. And ultimately, when companies fail, it's because of the people. It's not because of the idea it's not because of the tools, the technology, the trademarks, the functionality. It's about the people. I've said this before. I'll say it again. We've always heard that investors invest in people, not ideas. The idea helps, but the investor wants to know that the person is open to change, open to pivoting. Any idea can be pivoted. I'm at a point now where, whether I'm looking at Alpha Collective or even my show, I have to be open to someone saying, change the name, change the focus. What I don't know I'm open to do is if somebody says, shut it down. To be honest, someone said, your show is a giant stinking turd, you know, or... Your, your community is, is, is a loser. Your community is an absolute dog. Your community is a lemon. Shut it down. I won't entertain that. Not because they're not right, but because I believe in me. I believe in myself. I believe in us. I believe in we. I believe in the ability to change. And as I said, I haven't always taken this advice because I've had several companies before. I sold Crayon. I didn't sell Evolution. So therefore, I got in my own way. Or we got in our own way. Or maybe we didn't get in our own way, but we didn't change quick enough. It wasn't about the... The idea was great. Evolution was brilliant. It still is. Where Madison Avenue meets Mountain View. Startups and brands. Helping brands find their startup soulmate. What do brands have? Money. What do brands need? Ideas. What do startups have? Ideas. What do startups need? Money. What is the startup business model? Get big force and then monetize how? Through advertising, through brands. So why not begin with the end in mind? What if Kodak acquired Instagram? What if Blockbuster had purchased Netflix when they could have? 
What if Marriott had incubated Airbnb? The example I always use is Run P. Run P is an app that will tell you when in the movie you can run and pee. In other words, the boring parts of the movie. Brilliant. Has anyone here ever gone to a movie and needed to go to the toilet? Of course you have. Especially if you've had a big gulp of Coca-Cola. Wouldn't it be great if Coca-Cola acquired Run P or started Run P or invested in Run P or sponsored Run P? Basically saying, drink all the Coke you want. You'll never miss the good parts of the movie. One company that actually did sponsor it, but they never bought it, was Mirbatrek, which is for overactive bladder syndrome. Now, my argument was, why did Run P have to exist in order for Mirbatrek to then try and figure out how to partner or whatever? It shouldn't have. Because if you're Mirbatrek and if you're in the business of overactive bladder syndrome, then ultimately, what is your drug doing? Your drug is helping people not embarrass themselves, not fall into moments where they are in a precarious position or in a position where they don't miss their lives. They don't miss the good parts of their life, like movies, like business meetings, like whatever the case may be. So if you reverse engineer the startup from the brand backwards, boom, evolution, helping brands and startups connect, matchmaking, The idea was brilliant. It still is. And yet, I wasn't able to execute on it, which is a function of me, myself, I, we, the team, and maybe the ability not to take advice or maybe not to seek the advice. It's all about people. It always was. It always will be. The the difference between success and failure will come down to people. Generally, the buck starts and stops with the leader. How open are they to feedback? How proud are they? How arrogant are they? How humble are they? I don't know that either side is necessarily extreme is the right answer. You don't want to be so humble and so passive and so weak that you don't trust yourself. It is a balance at the end of the day. Know when to trust yourself and your gut and know when to ask for help. It is an art form to be able to seek help. To be able to say, help me. I don't know what to do next. I need your help. I need advice. And then, of course, in another scenario, when you actually have people that you have employed, trusted, and it could be everything from a board of advisors, a board of advisors to investors to actually fellow community members. If one of you here today gave me advice, I've got two options. I could say, "Well, who are you to give me advice? You're just in the audience. What do you know?" I'm, you know, <laughs> by the way, I'm looking at myself right now on Discord my Andy Warhol AI avatar with like circles coming out of it. I'm I'm feeling very much like the Wizard of Oz, the big booming voice. And then when you open up the curtain, you see a small, uh, old, uh, short, uh, bald, weak man. So with that aside for a second, I would argue the people that are in the best possible position to give advice are the people in the audience, the community, your employees, your customers, the people that are in the rock face, that are on the rock face, because they are consuming the content. They're being paid. They are paying. They are the reason why the machine is even working in the first place, why the cogs are turning. They are the oil that greases those wheels, those cogs. And they're not that close to it. The people at the top are too close to it. The founder, the leader, the CEO, the C-suite in their ivory tower. They are detached. They are ultimately surrounded by yes, yes, if you will, 
they're surrounded by people that are going to enable them. They're surrounded by people that will maintain the status quo. There are people who are incentivized to maintain the status quo. I'm telling you that if I'm in a position one day to be in a leadership position in an organization with amongst a board with a group of people where we're, we're making decisions together, I'm absolutely going to going to uh, apply the red teaming, the heresy, that the the twelfth man approach, or woman approach, or person approach. One person must be the contrarian at all times. The minute that everybody agrees, you know that the rot has set in. You know that complacency is now on the table. Because why? Why is everybody in agreement? Is it really that good an idea? Could the idea be better? Are people agreeing because they're intimidated? Because they're afraid, perhaps, to say what they really think, what they really feel? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that's, that's when you get nervous. That's when you should get nervous. When everybody is nodding their head together. That's not the cult. That's not culture. That's the cult. That's Apple's 1984 commercial. Everybody looks the same. Everybody acts the same. Everybody is the same. I could argue that maybe that's the problem with everyone wearing the same PFB. I could. Maybe I will. Maybe that's the problem when everyone is conforming to a state, a place, a uniform. We could have a conversation about school uniforms, good or bad. Everybody looking the same, acting the same. I always, you know, I come from South Africa where everyone wore a school uniform. Very colonial, very commonwealthy. And then you would look at the at the US and everyone just wore their own clothes. Advantages, disadvantages, certainly a disadvantage, everyone wearing their own clothes, where some people might have better clothes than others, some people might be embarrassed or intimidated by their clothes. I actually think maybe we'll even talk about it today or tomorrow. I, I kind of like the story of actually trying to like dig a little bit deeper into the whole PFP culture and understand what's going on because you know, just a little bit of a segue, I think there's something really awesome about PFPs too, the customization, people being able to make it their own, that not everyone is the same. I mean, the by the definition, everyone wearing literally the same PFP, the same one, would be like, wait a second, how do I tell one apart from the other? as opposed to unique backgrounds, as opposed to modifications. But we can park that for a second. I want to get back to the topic at hand. People. It's amazing to me. You look at leadership, you look at politics, you look at corporations, you look at... It's just about people. I mean, the the person who resigned from MasterCard... The politics, the, you know, here's someone who wasn't, who'd taken a pay cut. See, there's a, a massive disconnect when it comes to the outside world's perception of a company and what happens inside the company. Because inside the company, there are a bunch of paupers. Everyone's crying poverty in a company. My budget got cut. My budget is this. My budget is that. I'm out of budget. And you're like, well, I mean, let's just, I'm just, going to pick on, um, let's just call it the Acme Corporation. But you're the Acme Corporation. You're number 24 on Fortune's 500 list. Last year, you made $8.4 billion. And you're telling me you're out of budget. You can't subscribe to my newsletter. You can't, you know, pay me my rate card to come and see. This is what happens all the time. What is going on? Everybody crying poverty inside a company. But outside, we just look at the company and go, wait a second, you're flush. You're in the oil and gas industry. Why are you crying poverty? 
massive disconnects when it comes to perception. MasterCard, the giant MasterCard, credit card company, one of the biggest two in the world, cutting the salary of someone who was moved to London, relocated to London, working on the future on NFTs, where this person saying I couldn't even basically afford my rent or you know moving from one Airbnb to another, that doesn't that's not a good look. People instead of looking at pay grades and pay ranges and you know if we remember if we do this for you we have to do it for everyone. Why not look at every single you know transaction as anything but a transaction, every interaction, every single time somebody asks for a favor or explains their situation on the merit of that situation, decide what to do. When I flew back from South Africa, I called British Airways, I told them what happened, I told them my mother had passed away, I told them that I needed to change my flight. They said to me, absolutely no problem. They asked for the death certificate to prove that I wasn't pulling a fast one. I guess it happens. Sounds a little morose, but I, I get it. I was fine. Fortunately, I had it. It wouldn't have been fine if I didn't have it. But um, yeah, they changed it. Can you imagine if they'd said, well, this is a non-refundable ticket. This is a basic economy. Sorry but you're going to have to pay another 800 pounds to change the flight. Can you imagine that? People. In this particular case, people plus process. Because when you have good people in a position where they can't do anything, well, I guess they end up resigning and NFTing their resignation letter. Maybe he's not a good person. I don't know. Maybe that was just his side of the story. Who knows? But there are people who work for that company, so why not come and tell that story? Why not have a conversation? Why? Because you have legal affairs, because you have corporate affairs, because you have all these people mitigating this and doing that. And and ultimately what happens is the company looks like a monster. The company looks faceless, lifeless, soulless. When there are good people inside that might be really frustrated want to tell their story but unable to or prevented from doing so. So they are good people in positions where they are not able to do anything. And then there are bad people in positions that refuse to do anything. The apathetic employee, the frontline person, the person that just doesn't care, that just doesn't give a damn. I had... Two security guards, both uh, one in South Africa leaving and one in the UK entering and, and in transit, dealing with my pet rock, my rock pet, my mother's smudge, my mother's cat. And I don't know if I ever shared the cat, but I'll take a quick photo. Smudge is uh, sleeping. Smudge is sleeping uh, very, very. Um, <clears throat> peacefully behind me. And the first, you know, first woman in South Africa, she just did not care. She was like, I'm not sure that you can take this. She didn't say the word, but, you know, the implication was, you know, this thing that weighs 12 pounds could be a bit of a weapon. She might have been right. I mean, so, I don't know what someone would do with a big rock, um, but, you know, I suppose you could use other things as weapons as well, but whatever. I I don't know. I didn't think about it. Obviously, I didn't think about it. But she really wasn't having anything of it. And she kind of gradually and reluctantly let me go. There's Smudge. I'll just put Smudge into into the back chat, if I haven't already. But there was just general apathy and, and, and even disdain she wasn't incentivized. She wasn't, you know, there, there, there was, you know, maybe she'd had a bad day. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt, whatever. And then in the UK, when I immediately said, oh, that's, you know, 
my mother's rock pet and she just passed away and, and etc. They picked up the bag, they moved it to the front. They allowed me to take out the rock instead of holding it or, or you know, manhandling it themselves. They said, sorry for your loss and let me move on. People. And at the end of the day, one person, just one person in an organization <clears throat> can literally define the entire perception of a customer, a potential customer, a partner, a journalist, the world, the public, can mold the entire company, one bad actor, one bad behavior, or just one person just woke up on, on the wrong side of the bed. And for whatever reason, they took it out on a community member. They took it out on an employee. They took it out on a customer. They took it out on the world. They took it out on Twitter. And they may never get another chance, a second chance, to right that wrong. You know, I've, I've often <clears throat> gone through the four stages of, of the advice that I give entrepreneurs. Your success depends on four things you can control. Two, uh, sorry, your, your success depends on four things. Two, you can control. Two, you cannot. What you can control is the idea and the execution. What you cannot control is timing and luck. But what I've never done until just now is actually drawn the red thread, which is people. The ability to come up with an idea, the ability to execute that idea, the endurance quotient, timing, stay in the game, live to fight another day, but also, and the luck component, right, where preparation meets opportunity, but remember, remember that it actually isn't necessarily linear. In fact, it isn't linear. It's very, very circular. It's very dynamic because the timing is going to influence the idea and the execution of that idea. And the luck where preparation meets opportunity, the opportunity will come out of the timing. The timing will impact and influence the idea and the execution of that idea. And so what I'd never really done is actually visualize this as a Venn diagram, the ikigai-ness of it, right? the intersections, but also the recognition of the dynamism, the fact that it's completely in motion and it is people, it is the ability of the people that are running, that are in it, that are responsible to be able to shift. Think of it as levers, when to, when to throttle in, throttle out, or throttle up, throttle down, when to put um, uh, you know, your foot on the gas and when to put your foot on the brake, when to pivot, I created a, a model when I was at Evolution that was really <clears throat> based on, imagine a two-by-two two matrix, a small L, a big L, a small W, and a big W. The big W was scale with success. That's what we want. The small W was rinse and repeat. Hey, do it again. The small L was pivot, and the big L was what we called discontinue. But you know what's interesting? So I'll just write them down. Now, you will notice um, that, so there's, uh, I'm going to say rinse and repeat and scale with success. These are startup terms, right? Scale with success, um, rinse and repeat, pivot. But the fourth word is not. The fourth word is an original word that came out of evolution. It was actually a spelling mistake. One of the, you know, um, one of my colleagues who worked with me, instead of writing discontinue, she wrote discount-tinue. And I said, don't you change a thing. That's brilliant. Discount-tinue. It's a discount. You get a discount when you make a decisive decision early enough. You pay a premium when you're too slow and you get a discount when you move quickly. Loved it. So discount-tinue is the ability to pull the plug, is the ability to say time of death, to be decisive, to say this didn't work out, let's do something else. 
as opposed to the pivot, which is the tweak, which is changing a thing. Keep on moving, but make an adjustment. I love that way. But you know how hard it is to discontinue when you're close to something, when you can't let go? Don't call my baby ugly. This is off the table. Quite frankly, nothing should be off the table ever. Nothing should be off the table. Like, uh, someone said to me the other day, actually not someone, my, my partner at Alpha Collective, he said you should rebrand your show as Alpha Talks with Joseph Jaffe. And I was like, grumble, 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 Joseph Jaffe is not famous. Thank you so much for the advice. Very interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to do that. People. Pride, hubris, arrogance, ego, embarrassment, humiliation. I've come so far, can't stop now, can't quit now, got to keep going, got to persevere. One day my ship will come in, an overnight success, 20 years in the making. All of that is true. But maybe, just maybe, Alpha Talks with Joseph Jaffe is a much better way to think about it. Maybe I will change. And then, of course, you have the other thing, right? Which is, my manifested dream comes true. The magic wand gets waved. And now, CNBC is my new daddy. And CNBC says, Joe, we love you. The ink has just dried. The new name of your show is going to be Marketing Matters with Joe Jaffe. And it's going to be 37 minutes and you're going to have to come into a studio. And we're only going to interview old white guys because they write all these business books. So I'm using a, an extreme example, obviously exaggerated. Suddenly my dream has become a nightmare. Sometimes you don't get to choose. Sometimes you have to choose. I mean, you don't choose. <laughs> you don't choose. You have to do what other people tell you. And that, my friends, is the beginning of being miserable. Now, by the way, if anyone's listening from CNBC, I know you would never do that. That's probably something Bloomberg would do. I get it, or Cheddar. Um, so call me, please, call me. Um, you know, I said to um, my son the other day, I gave him advice, and I said, uh, which, of course, he ignored. Um, but um, I said to him, um, Here's just two things I want you to think about and do. Number one, make decisions in your life when you can versus when you have to. And two, the sooner you make the decisions, the better. That's all. Sooner is better than later. Later equals procrastination. And in context, we're not talking about, you know, splitting the atom here. We're talking about um, send, you know, send your, your, your granny uh, a text because it's her birthday. Obviously not my mom, but my wife's mom. So in some cases, it's like, just do it now. Why do kids procrastinate? I have no idea. I'll get to it later. Later never, never happens because guess what? You know, later is later and tomorrow never comes. So those were the two things. Number one, do things in life when you can versus when you have to. And two, do it sooner. Do it as soon as you can. Do it as soon as possible. Do it as soon as it makes sense to do so. Now, I'll focus on the first one a little bit. Do things when you can versus when you have to. This is not to say that when you have to do something that the result isn't the same or even better, but you have less choice. You know, in context of the conversation with my son, right? Do it when you can versus when you have to. Do it sooner rather than later. Um, he has a use case, homework. Why wait until 11 p.m. on a Sunday night? Why not start it on a Friday afternoon? Why not do a little bit, little bit on Friday, a little bit on Saturday, a little bit on Saturday night, a little bit Sunday morning, a little bit Sunday afternoon, and by the time Sunday night comes, home straight, home stretch. Oh, but I like the, the pressure. I like doing things in the last minute. Well, so do I, actually. I'm very much like that. But it can be counted and trained and nurtured through time management and better techniques. So homework is a good example. 
do it when you can. Free choice. I have five different things I can do right now. Homework is one of them. Versus when you have to, I got no choice. I got to, <laughs> I got to sit down now. And even if it's four in the morning, if I miss the deadline, I'm going to get a zero. Some people get off on that. Some people are energized by that. Some people are motivated by that. That's what it takes for them to get off their butts and, and get the job done. But not me. Even though I do that. I don't like it. I don't like the feeling. I don't like feeling like I'm in a groundhog version of MacGyver, like squeezing through. I don't know why I just thought of MacGyver, squeezing through the gate. Harrison Ford, like underneath the stone door, you know, just quickly reaching for his hat before he gets crushed. That's a very difficult state to live in constantly, full of anxiety, you know, full of dread and fear of dread. Wouldn't life be better if we're just a little bit more chill, a little bit more relaxed, but more importantly, just with more choice? And maybe that brings us back to the, to the subject at hand, which is it's all about people that always was. What if the difference between every business success and failure was just about people? And of course, you know, I keep saying people, people, people. I'm not saying person, person, person. I'm not saying individual, individual, individual. I'm saying groups, teams. Yes, some dysfunctional, but others functional. Partners, partnerships, community. The we is greater than me statement. It works because it's true. It works simply because of the wisdom of crowds. The more people that are present, the more perspectives that are present, the more points of view there are, the greater the possibility to explore all different permutations and combinations and pivots and turn something that is good into great or on the counter Something that is great can become good, can become average, and can become irrelevant in the blink of an eye. So just think about that the next time you're looking at anything, any, any lens, any filter, any idea, any company, any startup. Look at the people, look at the personalities of the people. Don't look at how brilliant the people are. How many times have you seen people, they're so smart, but they're not good people. I still come back to the greatest anomaly and exception to a degree, which was Apple and Steve Jobs. Historically, not a good person, but an absolute genius. And an exception to the norm. I'm prepared to trade on. I'm prepared to to uh, to let that one go. But not as a not as a norm, as an exception. Exception comes from the word exceptional. I'm prepared to accept that genius, real genius, true visionaries are always going to be misunderstood and misinterpreted and you know misaligned and. But I still don't think it's right. Being smart, being the smartest person in the room is not good enough. It never was and it never will be because the best idea doesn't always win. The best technology doesn't always win. The best app doesn't always win. And sometimes even the best person doesn't always win. It's a combination of all of that and timing and luck which can be influenced, which can be impacted, which, which can be bent. Sometimes you can cheat a little bit. The legal cheating, you, can, you know, shortcuts, whatever. I mean, you can think very, lateral, very laterally about it. Gary Player, the more I practice, the luckier I get. So you can become really lucky. Do you know probably are the most luckiest people are probably the people that have failed the most. 
That might sound a bit strange. But I would hazard a guess if you went and looked at the most successful people in the world, their success to failure rate is not 100%. You might be shocked and you probably wouldn't be shocked by how many times, how many times they in fact failed or what their path looks like. But if you think that successful people and success is one that is not you know, littered with a path and a graveyard of failed ideas and, and, and rejections, then you are naive. Of course, not the people that are here today, but the other people listening. So I think if we put our faith in people and in the, in the imperfection of people, by definition, to realize no one person has all the answers. Right? The four types of people. The people that know what they know. The people that don't know what they don't know. The people that think they know what they know. And the people that, I don't know what the other one is, but you know what I'm saying. They know what they, they, know, what they know. They know what they don't know. They think they know what they don't know. And then the people that don't know what they don't know. I think those are the four. Maybe they're five. Which one are you? Which ones are you? Again, I don't think it's always one the whole time. I know which one I don't want to be is the person that always has all the answers. That always has to come up with the right answer. That would be perceived to be weak if they didn't have the answer. That wasn't able to say, you know what, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer. I'll figure it out. I'll ask someone, what do you think? That takes maybe a lifetime to master. I cannot tell you the amount of times in my career as a public speaker where I'm asked questions and, you know, not going to lie, I've bullshitted my way to the answer. Probably under the guise of I know enough about enough to be dangerous. That is true. I do know enough about enough to be dangerous, but maybe it's dangerous to me as opposed to dangerous to others. Maybe it's dangerous to others because I'm not giving an informed opinion. So the humility that actually can come and say, look, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV. However, here's my take on this. This is my totally uninformed opinion. Here's my ignoramus approach. By the way, ignorance is bliss, and ignorance is also kind of cool. I wrote an entire book called Flip the Funnel based on ignorance. Based on not knowing how the IVR industry worked and how all of this, and I just said, like, I'm just going to come at this, you know, like a human. You know, when I wrote things like um, every time uh, you lose a customer, you should have a funeral for them. You should wear black. You should tear your clothes. You should weep and mourn for the loss of a human as opposed to look at them as spots and dots and data points and rounding errors and acceptable levels of churn on a spreadsheet. That comes from an ignorant or an innocent position. And people are like, well, you're not really actually asking, saying that. I'm like, why not? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you actually have a funeral? Why wouldn't you have an exit interview for every single customer you lose? Hell, you might be able to win them back, but that's not the approach. I mean, that's not the intent. The intent is to learn, to understand. It's the same position why I said we should ban the word employee. We should be calling them cast members like Disney does and colleagues like American Express is doing, and not just in name, but actually in, in action and intent. That kind of almost childlike comment, that doesn't come from someone who's a, you know, <clears throat> HR or a talent or a, you know, 
a, prof- a custom experience professional that's been in the industry for 35 years because they're so deep. They're so like entrenched. They're so mired in the myopia, marketing myopia, right, that they can't see the wood for the trees. But seeing the wood for the trees is recognizing that it is ultimately about human beings. We live and we die based on our ability to connect with others, to communicate effectively with others, to collaborate effectively with others, and to create effectively with others. That's the goal. So when I come back to rally.io, as final as that, you know, website is I don't look at it as you know I don't look at it as a blot on me I feel betrayed I feel cheated others do as well but what it does is it gives me finality maybe a discount in you even after two years still maybe two years before the next person or 10 years before the next person. Closure and the ability to move on. Realizing that it wasn't about me and it wasn't about crypto and it wasn't about creator coins and it wasn't about the tokenization of personal brands. It was about bad management. Either good people making bad decisions or bad people making bad decisions. But at the end of the day, it was about management. It was about the fact that they were given, you know, I've got to find the slide and show it to you. I had it made on Fiverr, I think. But I've often said if you gave marketers the goose that laid the golden egg, they would slaughter it and cook it on the grill. On the barbecue. So when given recurring revenue in perpetuity, what did they do? One-time benefit. Short-term gain to hit their ROI. Their meat quotient as opposed to their protein, their uh, eternal protein gift. That's what happens at the best of times. That's what happened with Rally.io. They were given the goose that that laid the golden egg and they slaughtered it and cooked it on the grill. So toss another shrimp on the barbie and we move on together. And we learn from our mistakes and we learn from their mistakes. And as Bez was saying, you know, Sometimes it comes down to the dysfunction of trust. Sharon says, every one of the founders I've interviewed have had staggering failures before their latest successful build. Each taught them a lesson they needed to learn to get to that success. It's so true. And the other thing is that success itself can feel very empty. And people can, you know, again, it's the concept of winning the lottery. Yeah, you won the lottery. Last night, someone won the lottery for three quarters of a billion dollars. Wow, $750 million. How fulfilling is it? I'm sure many people are very fulfilling. It's great. You can buy a private jet. But really, how fulfilling is it? It wasn't worked. You didn't work for it. You didn't work hard for it. And with that comes all the trimmings and the trappings. You know, long-lost relatives coming out of the woodwork, a standard of living that is not consistent with your values and your ideals. There is a reason why most lottery winners, many lottery winners, end up losing it all. So as I kind of wind down today in the last couple minutes, you know, whether we're talking about MasterCard or Rally.io or just looking at leaders in general, Just remember that it's not about the idea. It's not even about the execution of the idea. It's not even about timing and luck. It's just the ability to surround yourselves with good people and to be a better person and to be able to grow and to be able to to 
learn from your mistakes and embrace those mistakes and actually realize the mistake is the journey. The destination is nothing more than just a stopover, a layover. Go through security, hope they're kind to you with your pet rock or your rock pet. And then you move on to the next leg of your journey. But that's why success is a journey, not a destination. Because along the way, the people that you will meet, the people that you will interact with, that will not only inspire you and teach you and educate you, but actually allow you to be a better person, to grow for the better, that's the real prize. That's what allows us to be able to look back at a, at a life well-lived and a life well-loved and be able to look back with pride and leave the kind of legacy that would make those around you <clears throat> proud of you and of their association with you. So have an amazing day, Tuesday, February 7th. It's 9 a.m. The show will be up and live within the next 30 minutes. And remember, 7.45 to 8.15 tomorrow morning, your PO app will be available with code Praxum as your entry ticket uh, to who knows, meeting me IRL, showing me that PO app and me buying you a drink and who who knows what else we might do together. Have an amazing day, everyone. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.